0: Hola, hola, mi gente ¿cubo? I don't know about y'all, but I feel like this year has been flying by. But I thank y'all for tuning in and sharing the space with me always. Welcome to Hello Latino Podcast. I'm your host, Odalis Jasmine. And today we're talking to Dominique, a third generation Puerto Rican Spanish coach for adults. Growing up, Spanish wasn't taught in her home, and it always made her feel othered in the Latino community. In this episode, she talks about feeling lost, disconnected, and uninspired to then connecting back to her roots, discovering her love for salsa, learning Spanish for the first time, and then packing everything up into a suitcase and moving to Barcelona. Barcelona was a start of her journey in becoming a Spanish teacher for other adults looking to reconnect with their culture through language. Let's jump into her story and hear all the achievement from Dominique. Yes. I was telling my trainer, I'm like, no way. I like will leave coffee. Coffee is is part of my heart, my bloodline. Like yeah. my blood is like probably like my veins are probably made up of coffee more than they are blood at this exactly, point.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And not to say even just a morning routine too. Like it's just so intertwined, right? Oh, so intertwined. Well, mm-hmm.
0: Dominique, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I want to start with the first question. How do you identify and why?
1: So, I was thinking about that question, and you know, I say that I identify as Latina, just Latina, and also American. So, those two words really resonate with me in describing who I am. And that has to do a lot with my story and my background, which I know we're going to dig into. So, it might seem like a plain answer, <laughs> yeah. but it, it has a lot of meaning to me.
0: Well, talk to me about that. Talk to me about how that identity of being Latina and American came into your life. Was it always known? Did you kind of go through a journey to own that identity? Like where, what's the story there?
1: So for me, the story starts with my grandfather on my mother's side, who was Puerto Rican. He passed away about seven years ago. So I'm actually a third generation Puerto Rican. And my grandfather moved to New York when he was seven. And so he's really a New Eurekan, but then went back to the island for university. He later joined the military where he met my grandmother. She was a nice Midwestern girl. They fell in love. And my grandpa, my grandma built a life for themselves in of all places, Madison, Wisconsin. My grandpa for most of his life was like the only Puerto Rican he knew of. In the Midwest, in Madison. And he spent a lot of his life not speaking much Spanish. He would speak it with his family when he'd run into someone in Madison that spoke Spanish. It was really an exciting moment for him because he he got to use his language. But for the most part, he raised his three girls in Madison and not speaking Spanish. I mean, it just, Mm. in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it just, wasn't part of, I guess, the American way, the culture of the Midwest to bring that second language into the household. So he really, I wouldn't say he ever lost the language, but he definitely didn't make it a huge part of his life. He made frequent trips back to Puerto Rico. I mean, I grew up knowing I was Puerto Rican. I'm also half Italian, but i never really identified with that side of myself. Growing up, i grew up in northern california and in a very predominantly white neighborhood. And but i've always had kind of that kind of an olive skin tone, kind of an you can't really tell where i'm from, especially when i've got a tan. So i get questions a lot like where are you from? What are you? And i had to dig into that a little bit. When i was 21, i was going through a rough time in my life. I was at uh At UC Davis at the time. And my grandma took me to a Latin festival, like a Latin family centered festival. And I was watching some performances and I saw these people do this salsa performance on stage. And Mm -hmm. I perked up. I'm like, what is this? My mom saw me get all excited and she knew I was going through a rough time. She's like, do you want to dance salsa? We can go find some places to dance salsa if you want. And I said, sure. So we started going to the clubs, me and my mom. (laughs) We take the free lesson. I love that. (laughs) She supported me. We took the free lesson and I was hooked. Like something lit up in my veins. Like nothing had ever lit me up before. Couldn't describe it. I couldn't explain it. But I had to explore it further. And I became addicted to salsa for about those first two years. Ask anyone who dances. That's kind of how it happens, right? And I just felt more in touch with something so deep in my blood that I couldn't describe when I danced. It's like the whole world stopped and the world made sense Mm -hmm. to me. And I was like, I have to explore this more. And after a couple of years of dancing, I I was uh, singing all the songs like I love Mark Anthony. I was singing and dancing to this music, but I didn't know what the words meant. Like I I, I could recite the lyrics, but I had no idea what I was singing. And that I had taken Spanish in college and high school, uh, but nothing ever stuck. I mean, it's the same story <laughs> for so many of us, right? And and so I. Went through like a bad breakup with a boyfriend. He was a Mexican guy and his family used to exclude me from conversations because I couldn't speak Spanish. They would talk about me and just be really cruel to me behind my back. I could tell, right? Even though I couldn't understand. So it was kind of like this moment in my life at 23 where I just realized like, you know, it's the Spanish that's missing. Like that's the missing link here. I need that. I need to go explore that. And so I really wanted to go to Europe because, you know, a lot of Americans, we just like want to go to Europe. And so <laughs> I decided Spain was a country I wanted to go learn Spanish in. And I found a host family to live with for a year. And I decided during this year, I am going to learn Spanish and I'm going to come back fluent. When I come back to California. Mm-hmm. I by golly, by the end of this year, I'm going to be speaking fluent, fluently. And that ex-boyfriend's family, I'm going to know everything they're saying about me. And <laughs> I just, I was a little bitter, but also wanting an adventure, needing it, something to shake up my life. And yeah. that year of learning Spanish, I mean, I made it my full-time job from like, You know, after I dropped the kids off from school till they got out of school, I was in Spanish classes four hours a day for an entire year while everyone was at the beach on Fridays, all my classmates in Barcelona (laughs) at the beach. I was like with my teacher. I mean, I took it really seriously. And I remember after that year, my grandpa came to Barcelona to visit. And I remember sitting in a little plaza. And we sit down and we have our first conversation in Spanish, 100%. And I just, I remember the look on his face, like here is his granddaughter. I mean, it's like the language had been lost by the time it got to me, but I resurrected it. I mean, it just, I brought it back to life. And now, I mean, there's more to this story, but it's just that moment of speaking to him in Spanish and to see the glow on his face. Uh, I, it's indescribable. And he knows you. that I'm going to carry on the language from there. Right. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, like 10 years later, that was about 10 years ago, I have spent <laughs> more time in, in Spain and actually a considerable amount of time in Mexico. Mexico has stolen my heart. I spent mm-hmm. probably combined maybe three to four years in Mexico City over the last 10 years between tr- trips and living there when i got back to california to sacramento from barcelona the first time <laughs> i realized i was fluent but i spoke a castilian spanish and that sounded funny to a lot of people i didn't realize i was going to say yeah <laughs> i didn't realize it was anything different so not only like had was i now you know i before i was like too American. Then when I got back to California, my Spanish was too Castilian. Mm -hmm. So I was just never enough in anything, right? Or never the right thing. And over the years, I've actually chosen to evolve my Spanish into something that's more Latin American. I'm very conscious of not using vosotros and using vocabulary that is either universal across most Spanish speaking countries in Latin America or more Mexican because my husband is Mexican. He's from Mexico city. I love Mexico city. It's actually captured my heart more than Barcelona or Spain, but I am all those things. So when I say I'm Latina, mm. because I've like worked really hard to almost reclaim my Latinaness. And then how do I describe myself? When people ask me, ¿De dónde eres? Where are you from? Gosh, where am I from? I know my blood is Puerto Rican, but I am both like Española as much as I am Mexicana. These days I feel very Mexicana, but I am not Mexican. I love salsa dancing. I know like that that runs through my veins, but... Mm. Do I identify as Puerto Rican? I have a a colleague who also teaches Spanish in Ponce, and she has no Latin background. You know, she's from New Jersey, and she lives in Ponce full time. She's a Spanish teacher. And she is more Puerto Rican than I will ever be. Do you know what I mean? Her Spanish is Puerto Rican. She knows the culture. She knows the people, the food. But... Put me in Mexico City and I can tell you everything about my favorite city in the world. So again, yeah. when someone asks me, ¿de dónde eres? I'm like, what am I going to be today? How am I feeling? <laughs> Let's see. You know what I mean? Right,
0: right. I think so, that's the yeah. that's the beautiful part about how you describe it at the beginning that you're Latina because someone else on this podcast, Eliana Murillo, if anyone mm-hmm. knows who that is, she talked about this identity that she has that's pan-latinidad because she's like i'm mexican she's like i didn't grow up with platano but i love making platano because i lived in this little city where there was a lot of puerto ricans and dominicans and they taught me how to do it yeah and she lived in miami where she met a lot of like cubans and colombians and she learned all that cuisine and their language and their way of speaking and i feel like there is this pan-latino experience that we have in the u.s and depending where you're at You consume some of that culture. Like, for example, my dad, when he was immigrating to the U.S., he stopped by Mexico because a lot of Central Americans have to go through Mexico. Sure. And he stayed in Mexico City for a long time. And so that's where he learned how to eat spicy food because Hondurans don't eat spicy. But he learned how to eat spicy food. And he was like, oh, my God, why do people eat this? And now he's brought it into our family. There's still mm-hmm. some people who are resistant to the Chile. They're like, No. <laughs> no. But then like we my my uncles who all live in Miami, when they speak, they have some Cuban slang here and Absolutely. there. And I'm like, that's not Honduran. And they're like, yeah. no, it's a cubano. Yeah. But you know, like it's this beautiful mesh of cultures that mm. have and I that's one of the things that I love about starting every episode with how do you identify? It's because it doesn't only depend on your bloodline, on the flag that you wave up proudly. It's your experience. Where did you grow up? Where? Mm-hmm. What was your environment? What was your journey? Because identity evolves as we evolve, right?
1: Absolutely, and I think particularly in Spanish, like for some reason, a very common getting to know you question is "¿De dónde eres?" It's not a question I get asked often in in the states. I when I meet someone, yeah. it's like, "What's your job? Like, what do you do for a living? You know, where do you live?" Right. Blah, blah, blah. It's never where are you from or like tell me about your bloodline. Whereas when I'm speaking to someone in Spanish, that's one of the first questions I get. And I think it's a mix of um, that's just a normal question you ask in Spanish, Uh, getting to know you question. I think it's also they're trying to like put me in a box. Like where is your box? What box do you fit in? You know, where can I place Mm -hmm. you? I also think just like my look is – you know, what are you? Mm -hmm. You don't look like this and you don't look like that. You could be this. So it's really interesting every time I get that question.
0: (laughs) And talk to me about growing up because you said you grew up in a predominantly white community. Mm -hmm. Was there a pull towards your Italian side more so than your Puerto Rican side? Like, tell me about Mm -hmm. growing up in that type of environment.
1: Yeah, you know, before the age of 21, I just... Never really thought about what my culture was. I mean, the the Italian side of me is, is on my biological father's side, who I didn't know very well. I actually didn't grow up with him. So our step my stepfather raised me, who's German, right? So I never <laughs> got a taste of that Italian culture as much. And besides like a few family trips to Puerto Rico, and some, and you know, you know, like arroz con compoyo with grandpa, like <laughs> it really wasn't until the age of 21 that I started exploring more of my identity and what and who I was and what that meant and who I wanted to be. And I meet a lot of students because now I'm teaching Spanish, I meet a lot of what you might call, heritage speakers, heritage where where they've grown up around Spanish. And there's a whole range of types of heritage speakers. There's ones who understand everything, but do not speak. They understand, but struggle to string together a sentence. You've got people in the middle where they can totally get by in Spanish, um, but their strong language is English. That is their first language. And then we've got people who are the unicorns who are just perfectly bilingual, who when I hear them, my mouth goes, right, because (laughs) they so beautifully switch between the languages. Their accents are flawless in both. They become two different people, whereas as Spanish being my second language, I will never quite have the perfect accent in Spanish. I will always have that American English accent. I've worked on it very hard, but it'll never leave, right? (laughs) When I hear someone who is like fully bilingual and that they're able to express themselves fully in both languages without a strong accent, I guess, is like mind-blowing to me. It's just, it's fascinating. And, but anyways, I do have a lot of students who are heritage speakers who feel so disconnected or shameful or not enough, not Mexican enough, not, you know, Argentinian enough, not because they don't speak the language fluently. And that's a lot of my story and like trying to share the story and tell these people that, you can do it. You can reclaim it. You can, you can get in touch with it again, whatever culture you come from. Right. I
0: love that you, one of my favorite quotes that I live by is be the person you wish you had when you were younger Mm -hmm. or create what you wish you had when you were younger. And I like, I'm hearing you talk about some of these students where you see yourself in them and I'm sure that has a lot to do with why you wanted to become a teacher in the first place, because Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's beautiful that you're giving back to these students, these kids that they struggle with it. I mean, I, I'm first generation, I'm a daughter and sister to immigrants. Right. And I grew up speaking both languages back and forth, but still always Spanish in the household. That's how my parents raised us. But my nephews, you know, as the generations go by, I see how Spanish is being lost and how the older people in the family can make them feel terrible about it because, mm-hmm. you know, like my nephews can't understand my mom and there's a disconnect there because my mom's like, I can't even talk to my nephews or my grandkids because they don't know the language and there's like this almost shame, right, around mm-hmm. you not knowing Spanish and I'm, they can understand it, but they just can't. They can't speak to her. And I think so much about how that's going to influence them as they navigate identity, as they navigate their roots, where they come from, because oh, it's just a different world that I can't empathize with, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, at this point in my career, in my business, I'm teaching adults. I used to teach everybody, kids and adults, and I've really just stuck with teaching adults. And it's... I hear just stories of, you know, someone who's 30, 35, 40, that has always had that blanket of embarrassment and shame whenever they go visit relatives in Mexico, for example, and they cannot keep up with the conversation and they feel that, that disconnect from their own identity. Right. And so that's, just so much of what I'm about and why I do what I do, because I guess I'm a walking example that you can reclaim whatever it is you feel like you're missing. For me, that's language, right? But maybe it might be food for you, like cooking, cooking the, the dishes of your country, right? It could be music. Maybe you want to get more in touch with Reconnect with the music of your country, right? I'm so focused on the language part, the Spanish part, but there's so more, so much more involved in yeah. that.
0: I also I have to say I love that you mentioned the ex boyfriend and how you were going through a moment because I think sometimes those situations heartbreak. We don't talk enough about it, and mm-hmm. it's always oh that yeah, yeah yeah that's part of the story. But in those moments, I think we really we can just we really kind of turn our lives around because we realize. I have autonomy over my life. I can make these decisions for myself. I no longer have to sit in these rooms and have people talk about me. And you're like, what? (laughs) What are you saying? Like you Mm -hmm. can have that, that can not conviction. You can have that like relentless ability to just change the situation. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what sometimes disconnecting from friendships or boyfriends or girlfriends or just those partnerships can do for you. It gives you this whole different path that you can choose and create for yourself. So I love that you mentioned that because it's not something we talk about very often, but it's often part of our stories, right?
1: Absolutely. And I see everything has fallen into place and been a step on this journey. Like I wouldn't have gotten to that point of packing my bags and moving to Spain for a year if I hadn't have sat at that festival and watched salsa mm. at another kind of difficult point in my life. And I was searching for something, right. And then exploring salsa and then choosing to be with a Latino boyfriend for the first time and being exposed to a Spanish speaking family and not having kind of a negative experience. And I mean, I didn't get sad so much as I got angry and yeah. I said, hell no. Like, this is never happening again. <laughs> no one's going to talk about me in Spanish in front of me, and I don't know. Right. And and then everything's just been a step from there, right? And it's opened my world to – it's opened the doors wide open to the world in ways that I could have never imagined just by deciding to reclaim the language of my ancestors, really. Yeah. It has fundamentally shifted – everything in in my life. And although I was young, I mean, I was 21 at the time and I was open to those changes. I think we can experience those shifts in life and complete direction shifts at any point, whether you're 30, 50, 75. Mm -hmm. A lot of my students decide to learn Spanish while they're retired. I mean, a lot of my students are like 60 and decide to learn Spanish and Five years later, love we're, we're holding conversations. I'm like, that is so cool. You know, that is cool. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I, you talked about this
0: moment in salsa. And dancing is one of my favorite things to do too. And it's part of, I think dancing brings me back to home. It brings me back to those family parties. It brings me back to those moments of joy and, and community. And hearing you talk about that moment with salsa... I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, no one can take away your Puerto Rican roots from you, like, despite Mm -hmm. not growing up with the language or going back to, you said you went back to the island, but even if you didn't, like, girl, you are Puerto Rican because it's in your bloodline, and the fact that your body knew that, whereas society's telling you something else, like, no, honey, you're not Puerto Rican, your body's like, listen, I'm hella Puerto Rican. (laughs) (laughs) This is in my blood, but that's such a beautiful experience because I think like our, sometimes our bodies know more than our brains do and more than, and our hearts know, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm a big believer in sometimes our mind gets caught up in the overthinking and societal Mm -hmm. beliefs and family beliefs, cultural beliefs, but sometimes our bodies and our hearts know, they know before we do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It was a feeling and a draw towards something so strong. Mm. I didn't know where it came from, and I had to explore it deeper. And I will say that even to this day that it is only when I dance salsa that I feel the most in tune with my body, the most feminine, the most beautiful, the mm. most overwhelmingly happy. Then anything else that I do in life is when I dance. And that is the Puerto Rican blood in me. It is so it's so natural. So I don't even think about it, right? I'm not trying. I'm just being. And that is, Ooh. it's like ecstasy. <laughs> you know, it really is. Yeah. And I think yeah. for some people that might be, Climbing up to the top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere and yeah. feeling that type of ecstasy. And for me, it's, it is when I'm on a dance floor, particularly like social dancing with like a good DJ or a good live band and like a really mm. nice partner. And like we're having a great time and there's <laughs> just this energy and it's happy and it's joyful. It's just so, so beautiful to me. So, so rich, so yeah. fulfilling.
0: Oh, and there's something, I mean, this brings me back to Miami. I recently went to Miami a few months ago. And me too. Of course. Oh, you did. I did oh, in February well, for
1: the first time. I love it.
0: Oh, my God. I went in March for the first time. No way. Okay. Oh, well, man. It next was, time we'll plan I blown it. Away. <laughs> I
1: was I loved it.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was the first time. And I have family there, so I never really met some of the family on my dad's side. And I was hanging out with them, and I was just... We went to all these restaurants and everyone spoke Spanish. And it's funny they spoke Spanish more than they did English. And oh, <laughs> they were explaining to me that like there's some places, especially in Hialeah where they live, they're like there's some places where it says "se habla inglés," like you have to literally say like "I speak <laughs> English" because everything there is Spanish. And I thought that was the most beautiful thing. I know. And I went to this salsa club because of course you have of to course. be in a salsa club in Miami. And so I went and dancing with, like, all these different people. Like, there's just something so beautiful about it. And one of the things that I love about Salsa, and this is not probably everyone's experience, but it's never, like, romantic. Like, it is, but it's not like, no se pasan. Like, they don't go too far. Exactly. Like, it's this beautiful cultural moment of just joy. And... And it's just oh, there's just this beautiful eclectic energy, which is what you're talking about. So I Absolutely.
1: get it. That's that's what attracted me as well. And um, I've always thought it's so beautiful with salsa that doesn't matter what country I'm in, because I've danced in various countries too, and I don't even have to speak the same language as the other person because <laughs> we speak the same language. It's called salsa, but we don't actually mm-hmm. have to say any words to each other, and we put together this beautiful masterpiece in three minutes and then it's over. And no one's asking for something from the other person, if you know what I mean. Like there's no... No, 100%.
0: And it's just like, how can we have
1: such a incredible three-minute moment? We didn't say a word to each other and you don't want anything from me? I mean, right. where else in life? Where else in the world? And in, in life no. and, and activities, can, can that happen? I mean, that's pretty And
0: cool. I also want to highlight something you said about there's different ways to have that energy or connect with your culture because I know some people struggle with the language and that's always an option. And I love that you're talking about how you reconnected it with language. There's also salsa, there's dance, there's music. There's so many parts of our culture. And we were just talking about coffee earlier. Like there's so many different elements of Latino America, of our culture Mm -hmm. that we can connect to. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, whether I'm eating a baleada, which is a Honduran dish, like I feel mm-hmm. like I'm hella Honduran eating that baleada when I'm <laughs> drinking my coffee, eating my baleada, or yeah. when I'm listening to Punta, which is where, which is the music that we have in our country, like whether it's these little moments and little things that connects me back to my culture. And I think Absolutely. it's finding those pieces that connects you to those parts of you that you feel like are lost or you feel like are not enough. But when it connects you, like, like Dominique did, pay attention, lean into it, maybe become a salsa dancer and a Spanish teacher.
1: (laughs) Lean into it. Yeah, I feel the same way when I'm like in Mexico City, and I just go to the my same senora on the corner, and I get my torta de tamal, which is basically bread with a tamal in the middle of it, very caloric, and atole, (laughs) which is a uh, uh, or champurrado yes. like one of the two just standing on the street you know drinking my atole and having my torta de tamal in the middle of mexico city i feel hella mexicana when i am there <laughs> and it is my heart i'm like with my husband's family sometime when well, we got married recently his one of his oh, cousins man. said que eh, que bueno que es latina que bueno que es latina and he laughs because we did like my blood tests and I've got a whole mix of like European and Portu- <laughs> Portuguese and like not Latina in my blood, like as you, much you would think. But he knows how much I identify with that word mm-hmm. and I project that in everything I do. So he always laughs at that. Oh my we, gosh. Did, we did like the blood tests and it wasn't... You know, quite Latina, but I am so Latina like you, you can't imagine. Hella Latina. Okay. Hella hella Latina. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I recently did, well, I didn't recently do it. I did it a while ago. My Ancestry DNA, too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what is what's it gonna be? Because I am fully Honduran, like my, both my parents from Honduras, mm-hmm. but they have different roots, right? So my dad has heavy indigenous roots. My mom is mestiza, and so even seeing that breakdown, I'm like, oh my god, I am mostly indigenous, mostly Honduran, which was a surprise to me because I don't show that, mm-hmm. and then. There's Spanish, there's Portuguese, there's a lot of European, there's a lot of mm-hmm. West African. And I'm like, okay, so we are literally all the things from Latin America because all of us have such complex histories, right? Like Latin America, we won't even go into the history of what happened mm-hmm. there yeah. with the slave trade, with the Europeans coming in, with indigenous communities. Like there's so much that's intertwined in us, even as Latinos, that- you add in this other mix of Italian and German and all these different elements and being in the U S like mm-hmm. no wonder we sometimes have kind of an identity crisis. Like,
1: Oh my God. <laughs> Exactamente. Yeah, that's exactly so true. And that's why I also identify with the word American because I am American. I'm proud to be a mix of a lot of different things. Um, I'm I grew up in California. That's never going to change. I I live in Texas now, but like, that's a part of me. It's not something I'm trying to hide. And when I'm, besides uh, in the beginning, when like my American English accent would really come through in my Spanish, I really didn't like being American, but I've gotten past that. And now when I travel, like, I'm like, I'm proud to say that I'm American. I feel like I, I try to go about the world giving people a positive image of what Americans are because I know we tend to be pegged as certain people when we travel. And so when I travel, I like to tell people I am American and I am gracious and kind and respectful (laughs) and I'm not loud. And I try to leave a better image of what an American is in other countries
0: right? We need more of that. We need more of that. I remember, so I work on a global team now, and when they found out I was American, they're like, but you're really nice. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) thank you. Um, But that's not always a perception they get, right? And Mm -hmm. just even those conversations, and even them learning about my experience, they're like, wait, so are you American? Are you Latin? Are you like, what are you? Mm-hmm. And even they have questions about it. And so even being that, like, educator and saying, like, oh, yeah, America really is not the most beautiful melting pot, but it is a melting pot, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many different variables and experiences that we have internally. Absolutely. interesting. Tell me about the story of you becoming a teacher. Like, when did that happen? Tell me what you're doing now and what you're up to now. So...
1: I spent probably like eight years just traveling and improving my Spanish for my own desire. And it was 2019, yeah, 2019. And I was actually on this plan to get out of debt, to be completely debt-free. And I was working really hard. And a few of my friends asked me for some help with their Spanish homework for their kids. Some of them were taking college classes. I was getting getting some tutoring work and I found Mm -hmm. out I was pretty darn good at teaching Spanish even though I didn't have like the formal background but I had just gone through learning Spanish as an adult and I was really nerdy about grammar and structure just on my own accord, right? And so I just started teaching Spanish on the side in Sacramento just to make some extra cash to help me pay off my debt. And I had another full-time job at the time, but then the pandemic hit and my job went online. I was working for a nonprofit in an after-school program. I was a program coordinator and all schools went online. So I found myself with a lot of extra time on my hands and I started taking on more students online and kind of... Slightly before that had formally established like my business name, right? La Mariposa Spanish Lessons. And in 2020, I decided to make a website finally and make things more (laughs) formalized. And then I decided to move to Austin in 2020. And I knew that once California schools went back to school, I wasn't going to be able to continue with my full-time job. So I said, okay, I'm going to go all in. On the business, I'm going to go all in on teaching Spanish online, and I started building up my student base. I started building out self-paced courses on my website, doing group programs, reading clubs, and yeah, it just has grown since 2020, and now, and since then, it has been my full-time job running my my business and. I think I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I just never could find exactly what I wanted to have a business in, but it was this beautiful intersection of what I love, what I'm passionate about, my kind of what I consider my origin story mixed with my business. It was just like this perfect intersection. And I said, this is it. This is it. I'm going to, I'm going to make it work, you know? And so that's what I've been doing. And lately I do a lot more business stuff, working in, I should say, working on the business instead of in it so much. I'm working on the vision and where I want to go with it and how I'm going to grow and less teaching Spanish. The teaching Spanish part is the easy (laughs) part.
0: (laughs) Right. And how can people who are listening who are like, Dominique, please teach me, I am... Wanting to learn Spanish and reconnect with my roots, how can people connect with you and La Mariposa Spanish Lessons? Like,
1: mm-hmm. let them know. Absolutely. So the website is La Mariposa Spanish Lessons dot com. I will be rebranding soon to Spanish with Dominique, but that hasn't happened yet. So I'll say <laughs> the other website and La Mariposa. That was a nickname my friends gave me when I started traveling. The little mariposita that was traveling Aww. around. So wasn't just a random name it actually has a lot of um, meaning for me la mariposa and a lot of people call me that and it's la you know she's la mariposa and, I was
0: gonna um, ask you I'm like why mariposa but that's I know, beautiful.
1: yeah it has a lot of meaning however I found out that a lot of other Spanish language schools in the online world use mariposa like uh-huh. there's a lot of other mariposa language schools and I I kind of feel like my business has expanded from just being lessons to really being something bigger than that. So I will always be La Mariposa. A lot of my methodology, my monarch method to learning Spanish that I teach is all based around being a butterfly. My courses, my basic series is Alas, right? Your wings. My intermediate series is Vuela, Fly. So it's all related to... La Mariposa, even though I'm going to change the name soon to Spanish with Dominique, but we'll I still keep that. the Mariposa in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love Spanish with Dominique. It's catchy. It rolls off the tongue.
1: But yeah. I feel like it's more, you know, up to 20, uh, 2023, you know, what, what my online yeah. business is now, as opposed right. to what it was before in 2019, which really were tutoring and lessons and I would go to people's <laughs> houses. It looks a lot different these days.
0: Yeah. And for those who are also interested, how, what are some of the offerings? You kind of talked about it, but in just like a recap, what are the offerings that you have for Spanish or Dominique slash La Mariposa?
1: <laughs> so if you are a beginner or you need a review of the basics, I have my basic series, which is called Alas. Right now you'll find Alas Uno, which is my beginner crash course into Spanish, and soon in the fall, we'll have a las dos out there. Um, So those are two courses you can check out if you're more of an intermediate or even advanced learner. I do have a couple of courses, one that really focuses on the past tense, knowing how to use the past tense and tell stories. And then I also have my Elevate book immersion program, which is near and dear to my heart, we take a short chapter book, under 200 pages. We read it together over eight weeks. I give you writing assignments. We go over grammar, vocabulary. It's a really immersive book experience. Uh, I really love to read, and I think it helped me a lot develop my Spanish. So, yeah, that's my favorite program, a Live book immersion program.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. That's how my dad always kept me intact with my Spanish. He gave me all these Spanish books and to this day still gives me Spanish books. He's like, have you read them? And I'm like, no, (laughs) but I have to. So this is beautiful. Dominique, thank you so much for telling your story and for giving back to the community, whether young or seasoned, however you want to call them. I love that you are spreading the culture through language because I think language is a very beautiful thing. And the more we can feel comfortable with it, I think the more confident we'll be, right? I want to close this beautiful conversation with the brindis. So I have my cafecito, which I've been sipping here and there. (laughs) And I want to ask you, what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest for our Latino community?
1: I would like to do a brindis for anyone out there who feels that they are disconnected from the culture that they think they should be, that they were surrounded by. If they feel that disconnect to not feel scared to take that next step in discovering your culture, whatever way you want to discover it, that it is absolutely never too late to reconnect. Oh. Amen, Salud. Salud. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Dominique. Thank you. It was wonderful to be on. Yes, such an honor to have you. Friends, amigos y amigas, if you have been craving a space to connect back with the culture via language, highly recommend to reach out to Dominique via Instagram at Spanish with Dominique or via her website, Spanishwithdominique.com. I'll see y'all next week for more cafecito en chisme, for all Hella Latino updates, y'all know where to go. Hello Latino podcast on Instagram or find me on LinkedIn. My website, odalisjasmine.com, has more information. Y pues con mucho amor para mi hondureña. Abrazos.